Blog Talk Radio. Defense Watch Radio on the front lines of truth and liberty. Watch Radio. This is your host, Ray Starman, broadcasting live from the desert in sunny and a little bit cold Southern California. It's five o'clock in Southern California right now. Hope everybody's having a great Christmas day. There's a lot to talk about today. We're going to have a shorter broadcast, but the title is What's Merry About All This? We're going to talk about the heroic stand of the 101st Airborne Division during the Battle of Bulge in World War II, and then the many successes, victories of the Trump administration in 2017, there is much to be merry about. When we come back on U.S. Defense Watch Radio. He was just a rookie trooper and he surely shook with pride. He checked off his equipment and made sure his pack was tied. He had to sit and listen to those awful engines roar. You ain't gonna jump no more. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to die. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to die. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to die. He ain't gonna jump no Defense Watch Radio. This is your host, Ray Starman. I'm back right now on a shorter broadcast on Christmas Day. If anybody hasn't uh, tuned in to U.S. Defense Watch Radio before, we're brand new. We've been operating for about a week. And USDefenseWatch.com has been around for about two years. If you go there, you can find a lot of jam-packed, no-holds-barred, politically incorrect original and curated content that you won't see anywhere else. If you want to know what's really going on in the United States military, go over to usdefensewatch.com or tune in US Defense Watch Radio. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, and on iTunes Podcasts if you subscribe to those. I just We've got a lot of t- stuff to talk about today, and we don't have very much time, but just quickly talk about uh, a few things going on in the news. The Pope talk, mentioned today 
in his Christmas, um, actually last night during uh, Christmas High Mass, he spoke of the winds of war brewing, and that would most likely, as we know, be on the uh, Asian Peninsula and North Korea, the problems going on there. Uh, anybody wants to pray for peace today on Christmas Day would be a good day to do it. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but uh, the situation is indeed getting worse. Indeed getting worse. Uh, 2018 may very well be uh, uh, an interesting year coming up. Uh, another story that I just posted on usdefensewatch.com uh, US about an hour and a half, two hours ago, concerns the Navy basically waiving 48,000 sailors who failed their physical fitness test, their PT test, physical training. In the Army, you got to run a couple miles in a certain time. you got to do some push-ups and sit-ups. The Marines have uh, pretty much the same thing. I think they also have uh, pull-ups or chin-ups as part of that as well. And the Navy, all the, all the branches of the service, think about that. They're waiving the physical fitness test of 48,000 sailors. What, is that, what does a carrier have on there? About the three, 4,000 sailors? So we're talking about <coughs> excuse me, 12 to 13 carriers worth of sailors that can't suck it up and pass their PT test. What does that say? about the type of people that they're joining, what kind of physical condition they're in. And more so, what does it say about the leadership in the U.S. Navy right now, in the U.S. military? The training standards are going down the toilet as we speak. Anybody tuned into U.S. Defense Watch Radio uh, last week knows that I talked indefinitely about the training standards that have gone, basically just disappeared from uh, Special Forces Qualification Course, a.k.a. Green Beret Training at the John F. Kennedy School of Warfare at Fort Bragg, the home of the Green Berets. Basically, they've they've basically tossed standards down. They're like, you, you want to be a Green Beret? The only way you're leaving is if you're injured. Everybody will pass. It's like traffic school. Everybody's going to pass. You just keep taking the test. You know, it used to be you had to run five miles in 40 minutes or less. You had to do a 12-mile ruck march with a 55-pound ruck in a certain time. You had to pass the land navigation thing where, you know, it's the same it used to be in the military. You get a map, you get a compass, you're walking around the boonies. You got to find these little posts kind of look like a parking uh, sign, you know, with a, uh, with a number on there. It says one, two, three, you write it down on your paper after about six or seven stops, you know, going all over uh, here and there by yourself during the day. Usually yeah, sometimes it, by yourself or at night with somebody else, you bring it back to the sergeant who's on duty running the whole thing. He tells you if you passed or not, if you got the right numbers. You don't have to find the points anymore at Fort Bragg. We don't need any Green Berets who know where they're going, apparently. This is, we got a big problem in the U.S. military. We have people that aren't in shape at all, and the military is letting them go, okay? And meanwhile, our enemies are laughing at us because they know that the U.S. military is heading rapidly to the point where they're not worth anything. General Mattis, once again, where are you, sir? Are you beneath a pile of your 15,000 volume libraries. I'm buried in your books. Well, it's time for the mad dog to wake up because there's a lot of problems. If I can identify all these problems, certainly he knows that they're going on in the U.S. military. Certainly he goes knows they're going on. That uh, song I played at the uh, last uh, break here on U.S. Defense Watch Radio was Blood on the Risers, the famous song of the Airborne, the 82nd Airborne. Actually came around before the 101st, the 82nd had been a uh, straight leg division in World War One. They claim it's their song, 101st says it's theirs. Obviously, anybody seen Band of Brothers, their great miniseries from HBO, knows that they played that uh, during 
Band of Brothers miniseries. It's the song of the Airborne, let's have it that way. And that was sung by the West Point uh, Choir. In the days before West Point uh, had a communist there like Spencer Ray, we talked about before on U.S. Defense Watch Radio. The, t- the subject today, as I said in a shorter broadcast, what's merry about all this? This comes from the uh, basically the uh, the letter, the memorandum that, that General Anthony McAuliffe, who was the uh, assistant division commander of the uh, 101st Airborne in the Battle of put out. We can backtrack before that he sent that letter to the troops on the uh, 24th of December 1944. Basically, Hitler threw everything he had on the Western Front, his last stand, his basically his last um, offensive started on December 16, 1944, when he hit U.S. Uh, divisions that were along what Ike had termed be the ghost front. Basically, they, they put a bunch of divisions online, the 2nd Infantry Division, the 99th, the 106th, uh, the 28th Division, the famous Pennsylvania National Guard Unit, the Bloody Bucket. Ike threw in veteran units like the Bloody Bucket and the 2nd with green units like the 99th and the 106th. Uh, the 4th Infantry Division was also down there near Luxembourg City. The The theory was the veteran guys who have been beat up since uh, pretty much uh, Normandy in July of 44 or June of 44 and onwards, they could rest, relax, limited contact with the enemy. The new troops that just showed up from the States, they could learn what was going on with also, like I said, limited contact with the enemy. They're pretty much along a front of about 80 miles stretching from the south from Luxembourg City all the way up uh, – towards the uh, the Hurtgen Forest in that area where uh, the 2nd Infantry Division was with the 99th. It's about an 80-mile sector along the Ardennes, Belgium, and Luxembourg, stretching in just across the German border. Germans attacked. They had the weather on their side in the first few days of the Battle of the Bulge, December 16th in 1944. There was fog. There was rain. There was ice. There was a lot of snow in some places. And the American troops were taken completely off balance and surprised. But the thing was is that U.S. military intelligence knew this attack was coming. There were warnings. There were indicators. There were uh, prisoners we captured, reconnaissance, patrol, reconnaissance patrols that saw stuff, uh, line crossers, members of the resistance that were giving us information. And basically, the U.S. military chain of command all the way up to General Eisenhower didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe that the Germans had, had it in them and would really try to attack us again as the, uh, the Christmas time approached in the cold, dark days of December in 1944, but the Germans did just that. And they hit us. We were surprised. And it took a little while for us to get our bearings. Basically, what, why they called it the Battle of the Bulge is the Germans created a bulge in our lines, maybe like a little pocket. Their goal, uh, their, uh, their strategic goal was to get to Antwerp. They wanted to divide us, to cause more uh, rifts between the British and American allies. They wanted to cause chaos. Um, in our ranks, and they did uh, cause a little chaos, but basically being American, the American Army was very good and has always been good at adapting and improvising. It's perhaps our greatest trait of all, something really no other army in the world has ever been able to do as successfully as the U.S. Army. We're caught off guard for a few hours, but our unit started to fight back. 2nd Infantry Division, which was the unit from Charles McDonald, his famous book, Company Commander, that unit in the 99th Division basically held off the main German thrust in the northern sector of the Bolts. The Germans were moving through with their Waffen-SS elite armored units, and we held them off. We stopped them cold. In the central sector, the 28th Infantry Division, the Pennsylvania National Guard Unit, the Bloody Bucket, which had lost over 5,000 guys in the Hurtgen Forest from September 
to November 1944. They were exhausted, but they held off the Germans for three days. So now we're getting into about 19 December, December 19, 1944. The German high command is, they know that the weather is not going to last. As soon as the sun comes out, it's all over with because the American aircraft go right up back there and we have air superiority once again. But nothing's flying. They know that if we're, they're going to get to Antwerp, if they're going to be able to get their immediate objectives along the Meuse River and some of those uh, ammunition and fuel depots, they need more fuel to move towards Antwerp. They're going to have to take a road junction. There was a road junction up north, but we stopped them. So they shift everything towards the town of Bastogne, which is another road junction. The terrain is very flat. It's, it's in the Ardennes, but it's basically rolling farmland. There's about eight roads in and out of Bastogne. They know if they can control Bastogne, they can control the traffic, and they might just be successful in their operation before we can respond. So Eisenhower knows that the American high command knows that Eisenhower is basically throwing everything he can towards Bastogne to plug the hole. The 28th division is they fought for three days heroically, heroically, and, but the basically plowed right through them. They were overwhelmed. Now they're heading towards Bastogne. Ike puts the 101st airborne around Bastogne, tells him to dig in and establish a perimeter. Now, the 101st Airborne is basically, the perimeter is basically manned by the lightly equipped paratroopers. They're backed up by some elements from the 10th Armored Division and the 705th Tank Destroyer Battalion and some artillery. They're not completely alone, as some people think, but they're, they were pretty much alone. It's now December 22nd, three days after the 101st has been there. The Germans have hit them with everything possible, and they can't break through. The Germans decide that they're going to call for the 101st to surrender. They, 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 they sent a, um, under a white flag, they sent a, uh, a couple of German officers to the, uh, to the, through the front lines to the 101st. And General McAuliffe, Anthony McAuliffe is the assistant division commander. He's the one-star General, General Maxwell Taylor. The commander of the unit is in Washington. McAuliffe is sort of a Raymond Spruance character who basically uh, was a guy with uh, that, you know, second in command. All of a sudden, he's called upon to take charge during an operation, and, uh, and his decisions basically uh, will basically change history in many respects. McAuliffe doesn't know what to say to the German response. We're obviously, we're not going to surrender, and he just says nuts, so, nuts, N-U-T-S, exclamation point. This, uh, this response of ours is taken to the Germans. They don't know what to make of it, and we basically tell them it means go to hell. The attacks continue. We keep, they keep attack, hitting us. They cannot break through. It's now Christmas Eve, 1944, two days later. And General McAuliffe basically uh, writes up a, a letter that gets to all the troops in the field in this perimeter around Bastogne. And if you go to Bastogne to this day, you can still find some of the foxholes, even some of the equipment that's out there. It's almost like a living museum or in the perimeter that the 101st had around Bastogne. General McAuliffe basically says, What's merry about this? We've held we've held off against everything the Germans have thrown at us, everything, and they can't break through. That's what's merry about this, and that we are giving uh, America, we're making America proud by holding off against the German military. Meanwhile, as the 101st does everything they can to stop everything the Germans are throwing at them, General Patton, who was 100 miles to the south fighting a battle against the Germans in the Tsarland has turned his whole third army, about 250,000 guys, around and is moving without any food, rest, 
sleep, anything, just whatever you have on you, moving in basically a blizzard toward Bastogne to save the 101st Airborne. The day after Christmas, lead elements of the 4th Armored Division under General Creighton Abrams, who actually became the um, commander of all U.S. forces in Vietnam after General Westmoreland. But during World War II, Abrams was in one part of the lead elements, lead battalion that was the first to break through the, the break through the Germans and to rescue the 101st Airborne at Bastogne. And gradually, the German, the bulge that the Germans created, they basically cr- found themselves in a pocket where they were surrounded on both sides. And the Battle of the Bulge went on for another month. It was the most, it was the largest battle the U.S. Army ever fought. We took, I believe, over 50,000 casualties. Five zero 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 zero. Fifty thousand casualties. I hope that was enough zeros. And when we come back on usdefensewatch.com, we'll talk about what's merry about all this in 2017 with the many victories of the Trump administration. And we'll be right back on U.S. Defense Watch Radio. We're back on U.S. Defense Watch Radio. This is Ray Storm. And just talk about quickly, what's merry about all this? You know, everybody they everybody thinks that Donald Trump, they all thought they were going to take him down. They're the mainstream media, whatever. They thought that this guy is not going to last. Well, guess what? He's not only lasted, but he has been highly successful as the president in the last year. The first correction during the last year, the first year of his administration. Talk quickly. We don't have much time here in U.S. Defense Watch about some of his successes. The corporate tax rate has been lowered from 35 to 21 percent. It's going to bring in more companies are going to come back to the United States now that the tax rate is going down. He's destroyed the Obamacare mandate, probably one of the uh, most disturbing and disgusting things that the Democrats implemented. The fact that the government forced you to get health care. And if you didn't, you'd pay a penalty, something out of socialist Europe. But that's what the Democrats want. President Trump promised to bomb ISIS to the gates of hell, and they're doing it with General Mattis' help. General Mattis is awake as far as the fight against ISIS. Everything else, he's asleep. ISIS is on the run. If you look at a map on Google where ISIS was during the Obama administration in the Middle East, and now where they are, they are being decimated as we speak. In the words of John Wayne, in the longest day, as far as ISIS is concerned, send them to hell. Of course, Trump... uh, We also have to think what would have happened if uh, the Wicked Witch of the West had won. The Supreme Court choices she would have – people she would have placed in there would have decimated the Second Amendment. I believe actually the First Amendment too. Luckily, President Trump won, picked Neil Gorsuch, and I believe that the Supreme Court will remain largely focused on preserving conservative values and doctrine in the years ahead. Thank God. Thank God. So there's much to be merry about as we approach the new year. I hope everybody's having a great Christmas. And this is Ray Starman on U.S. Defense Watch Radio signing off once again with the words, the melodious voice of Bing Crosby. Have a great Christmas.
Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow The white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright